Welcome back. This is episode 29 of the Neuro Experience. I'm your host, Louisa Nicola. Podcast listeners, today I've got something very exciting to give you. It is Tuesday content day, which means I'm just driving content to you. And today is an interview that I did on somebody else's podcast. And I go really deep into talking about the future of elite athleticism, the future of mental performance, mindset, brain nutrition, and what you need to do to increase your mental performance today. Have a listen. Have a great day. Welcome to the Neuro Experience. I am your host, Louisa Nicola. I am a mathematician, former Australian triathlete, and neuroperformance coach. I am your brain coach. I know what it takes to succeed at the highest levels, and I'm here to show you how to get from where you are to where you want to be. This show is designed to teach you scientific mental strategies that you can use and implement to get results fast. So expect to be fearless. Take notes and take action. Let's get into it. When we learn to fully utilize the talent that we were born with, that's when we reach ultimate power and that's when we can truly leave our mark on the world. Louisa Nicole, better known as a diamond boss, is an admired and well-respected female figure in the world of mental performance. This mathematician and former Australian triathlete is now the founder of her own peak performance coaching company, NeuroAthletics which focuses on the mental and brain performance of athletes. Luisa's passion for being an elite in any area of your life has caused her to obsess over what makes the difference between successful people and non-successful people. You guys don't want to miss this. Luisa and I had a blast talking about all sorts of subjects that are so interesting like nutrition, neurology, brain coupling, the ketogenic diet, and self-awareness. Have fun. Louisa, how do you spend your time here on planet Earth? <laughs> I love that question. Um, how do I spend my time here on planet Earth? Well, I spend it doing everything that is um, that I believe is right for my mind and my body. I, um, I used to be a very avid triathlete. I raced for Australia. Um, you know, we raced internationally. I went to Worlds. So that paved the way for what I do now every day. And that is I get up, I meditate, I everything I do is on purpose. So, um, you know, I work during the day on my business and the way I spend my the first hour of my morning and the way I spend the last hour of my day is very structured. Everything else in between is is like a variable. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I've noticed the pattern and I've had somebody by the name of Tof Evans, who's also a, a huge athlete in Australia. And mm. we kind of talked about, you know, how all of this stuff relates to your, your mental health, your productivity, your actual life. And my friend Tof, he, he kind of gave an analogy, which is it's genius is when he gets up in the morning and you know he he runs like 150 kilometers he's he's a huge athlete um and when he gets up in the morning he gets those voices or those thoughts that say you know don't get up don't do that and he told me that that simulation of him doing that and then actually running all those miles is the perfect gateway to him struggling in his business in his speaking career and as an author as well and i just found that to be absolutely perfect what do you think about that Absolutely. I think everyone has to find their balance. Everybody mm -hmm. has their own internal struggles. I actually just posted about this 
um, yesterday. Every single person has their own challenges and we overcome them in different ways because we've all got a different version of success, personal success. So I believe if you set your morning up right, if you, um, if you really set your morning up to succeed, then the rest of your day will follow. You'll have a more productive day. You'll be healthier. You're, you'll be more inclined to uh, communicate better. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, and a morning routine, like you mentioned, is is amazing. And I got into this maybe about a year and a half ago, and it's completely changed my life. And it, it took me a while, though, because like right when I started, I started like reading all these articles, and then I just did what other people told me to do. And then I eventually found like my groove, but it took a lot of trial and error. And I'm still, you know, interchanging the parts to today. How do you suggest for people to like find that morning routine that's right for them? Well, first of all, I always say that when anybody wants to start any type of routine or any habit, they need to understand why. And that's the biggest um, that's the biggest reason why people don't follow through with things because they don't understand the why behind it. Um, so first of all, we need to understand why we need a morning routine. And that starts with understanding that your brain operates at 10.5 wave cycles per second first thing in the morning, meaning your brain is very susceptible to whatever it takes in for the first 20 minutes of the morning it stores and that um, so if any negativity comes inside your mind first thing in the morning it gets stored and it actually correlates um, through your behavior throughout the day so it's it's in your best interest to set up a morning routine that promotes productivity uh, that promotes Productivity, yes, uh, positivity, and more so sets your um, your brain and your body up for the day. So my morning routine and uh, what I give all of the athletes and our clients to get into the habit of doing is meditation. Now, mm. I understand that not a lot of people meditate or know how to meditate, but if you can start first thing in the morning with, you know, without doing anything, without having a coffee, without looking at your phone, if you can just start with 15 minutes of meditation first thing in the morning, you will see a profound difference in your um, ability to concentrate, in your focus, endurance, um, in your ability to communicate and your overall happiness. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for the people that listen to this podcast, I talk about meditation all the time. And I think meditation is basically a staple of health. Like I think it, it goes along with nutrition and exercise and, and doing all those things. Um, mm. Do you, so like I, I at first did that too. And I found some, some really unbelievable results. You know, when I woke up in the morning with uh, mindfulness and intention, I didn't check my phone and I went in to uh, meditate. I found that beneficial, but I also found to be beneficial is first thing I wake up, uh, do do my stretches and then I go for a run and then I found that when I come back and then I meditate it my mind my my body just it works much better like after I go from like a high stress situation to to a meditation have you ever done that well no I haven't but there's no right or wrong I mm -hmm. I do it first thing in the morning the very first thing I do is I wash my face with water and then I get straight into my meditation now, something that I always say, you know, what not to do is do not look at your phone first thing in the morning mm. because 
what happens is we're all screaming for more endorphins okay we all want to be happy and if we get our endorphins from things like instagram likes or facebook likes then we're really depleting the amount of um endorphins that we have for the rest of the day so similarly if you look at your phone first thing in the morning and you get an email or you get a message from somebody that you don't like or you see something on Facebook that you don't like, you're just setting your brain up for negativity throughout the day. And you're also increasing your cortisol, which is the stress hormone, because if what your brain sees first thing in the morning is a bunch of emails that you need to do, you start freaking out before your day has even started. So if I can give any tips on what not to do first thing in the morning, it is do not touch your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I've heard that. I've heard a similar thing. And it's like, if you set your approval, your, you know, like your, your mind's level of acceptance from the outside world, and you're kind of relying on that, which we all really do throughout the day. But, you know, just dedicating the morning times for you is really the optimal way to go about living your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Louisa, so we talked about a morning routine and I know nutrition is a huge, huge thing in regards to mental performance. Mm-hmm. What this, this is a, this is a big cloud of, of information, right? When most people think of, you know, what to eat, there's, there's like a big, you know, whether it's a stigma, there's like 36 diets that you should follow. How do you, how do you break it down for your clients? So I follow a keto diet. Now, mm-hmm. I get all of my athletes to try and follow that depending on their physical activity level. And even, you know, we at NeuroAthletics, we also have, we go into corporate companies as well and we work with mm-hmm. their talent. Now, if our main objective, and I think with nutrition as a whole, you have to look at your main objective. What do you want? And reverse engineer it. Now, for me and for all of my athletes, what they want is increased mental performance, which means we have to get rid of all of the things that are blocking us um, in our brain because our our philosophy and your athletics is the mind is what the brain does. So in order to mm-hmm. get the mindset right, we need to work on the brain. So then we look at things like what foods or what things are you putting in your body that's inflaming your brain so and what i found is that the keto diet because you eliminate you're only having five percent of carbs every single day so you and carbohydrates you know increase um the level of cortisol in your body because of the sugars and so i just found that once i switched from a normal diet and switched straight into keto that made all the difference it increased my clarity my mental clarity it increased my um, ability to perform um, it enabled me to think faster and when you look at the research behind it it actually enables you to live longer so I absolutely advocate a keto diet yeah um, I think a lot of people have heard of the ketogenic diet personally like a two years ago I used to weigh 210 pounds and right now I'm at 160 and I went on the keto diet. I, I started off with uh, mostly like vegetables and healthy fats, and then I transitioned to keto. And man, it's like it felt like the first time my brain has ever been turned on in my entire life. It's a completely different thing. It makes all the difference, just like you said. It really does. Um, 
another thing that really, you know, when it comes to nutrition and, and we won't even go into supplementation and herbs and vitamins, but something I find um, is the, le- the amount of water that you're having because hydration is the key to everything. You know, mm. most of our body, over 70% of our body is made up of water. And I, I truly believe that not a lot of us on planet Earth are drinking enough water we're not hydrating enough and not just that we're not hydrating correctly it's a it's a really big misconception about how you should be hydrating and i promote a lot um, about alkaline water and i think that we're dealing so much every single day with stresses every day our body um our, our mind just sees stress as one big thing you know we get mental stress we've got physical stress we've got emotional stress and our body doesn't distinguish between the three it just says stress which then increases our level of cortisol um the air that we breathe the environment that we're in increases the level of cortisol which increases your level of toxicity now i truly believe that if you can do everything you know everything you can to maintain an alkaline state then you're probably going to be better off okay you're going to be less prone to sickness you're going to have increased mental performance and mm. i think a great and easier most effective way of doing that is having alkaline based water wow i've never never heard of that is it uh, are there any are there any other ways other than alkaline water to decrease toxicity Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, there are a number of different ways you can. Um, meditation is one way that you can decrease it because it turns on your parasympathetic system, which actually shuts off the fight or flight, um, you know, in your body, which um, decreases cortisol. You can do it through certain herbs, through certain vitamins. A great supplement that um, I encourage a lot of people to take is activated charcoal. And what this does is it really draws toxins out of your body. And you could do this and you can take this if you know that you're going to have a night out, okay? You, you're going to drink alcohol. If you know you're not going to sleep or if you know you're going to have a bad meal, you can take this and it actually helps you. Wow. I could try that. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I, you know, like I'm, I'm talking to you about this because, you know, we live, we live in a day and age. I mean, I don't know about Australia, but here in America, I basically look around and, you know, people are hydrating with Coca-Colas. Oh, and, my God. And, like, the, the amount of sugar that people are consuming, like, it's it's no wonder, you know, you, you look around at the world and, like, a, a lot of this stuff is – it all comes down to each individual's individual person's health, right? Um, and I think, uh, you know, like, it, this isn't even about, like, if they're drinking water or if they're exercising – you know, this is about like, have they exceeded over 120 grams of sugar in a day? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's at that level. And, you know, I think as time and time moves on, you know, people are going to start understanding this, obviously, like, um, and there's all sorts of disease, you know, around the world that's basically, for the most part, all preventable. That's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of created by humans not eating what their body wants them to eat basically. And we're creating this processed food that, you know, our body has no idea what to think of. And it takes advantage of our, of our biological chemical receptors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, so like 
a lot of people like you'll tell them to go on a diet and they'll say, Oh, I can't because I, I you know, I love eating sugar too much. or I like eating cupcakes. What, what's a good way to start, you know, applying discipline is, is it just about, you know, having a why having a reason or, or other ways around that? It's having a reason. First of all, first and foremost, it's having a reason because our brain, um, when we internalize stimulus from the outside world it goes through the emotional part of our brain first that's why when we're in arguments with people we react emotionally before we we react um rationally so we are spiritual so the only way that we register why to do something is because we need to have a, a deep emotional connection to that um second to that is have a look at the environment that you're in and if you do want to, you know, this goes with everything. If you want to be richer, if you want to be better in business, if you want to be fitter, hang out with people who are doing better things in business than you. Hang out with fitter people. Just find a new group of friends who like to work out. Um, and that's that's really something that you can do to start. You know, your your environment really creates you. And when you understand the science behind it and what happens in your brain, when you're with certain people we've got these things called mirror cells in our brain and they actually after around seven minutes of being in um in the same environment as somebody else you actually your brain mirrors theirs so you actually mm -hmm. become them isn't that like the most interesting wow. thing that you have? i know it's it's just it's wild and well i think it is and so i think wow and this is why i'm so cautious about the people I hang out with and you know for everybody else they probably think I'm a freak they probably think this girl's a snob she won't hang out with me it's like well no I just um I know what it does to your to your brain so if you want to introduce any habit okay I would suggest those two things understanding the why second of all you know fixing up your environment looking at the people you're hanging out with and thirdly uh, habits and disciplines are, are created with repetition Okay, so if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, it will just become an unconscious habit. But you've got to you've got to put in the work. Nothing's easy. You've got to wake up every single day and put in that work. But eventually, it does become very easy. I couldn't agree more. And I guess it's just that initial, you know, push or. Uh, you know, like that initial, that initial struggle, like a lot of people will associate, you know, working out with a lot of struggle or eating healthy, but it's usually only the first, you know, week or two. Cause then after that, you know, you kind of start to like it because you start to understand that, oh, when I eat this, this happens. And then when I eat that, that happens. Cause like, I remember before I, when I was eating all sorts of, you know, bad stuff, I didn't, I didn't think there was another option. Like I just thought this is how you felt all the time. Like you take naps throughout the day, not have energy, have brain fog, have all these different things. I didn't know that. Um, mm. And I, I think that's what it's about. Louisa, I have a question. What do you think of vegan vegetarian diets? Oh, vegan vegetarian. I'm not, I, I've tried both of them. And that was really just to see what happens to my body. Um, I, Look, there's there's research to suggest that they're both, you know, eating just a plant-based diet can help with different things. And I'm a, you know, I do like to eat meat. However, I I stick to grass-fed everything, grass-fed beef, grass-fed pork. Um, you know, the chicken I have is organic. And I think 
again, it comes down to what your end result is. Some people, for il certain illnesses, they need to have a plant-based diet. Other people, they just want to hack you know, their biology, therefore they go and have a vegan diet or just a prescatarian diet. And there, you know, there's, I don't believe that there's a one-size-fits-all. I think you need to do what's right for your body. And I don't believe that you can just go out and, you know, say, oh, well, this girl in America who I follow on Instagram has a great body, so I'm going to ask her what her diet plan is and then I'm just going to copy that. Completely the wrong path to go down because everybody's different. Hmm. Yeah. And I, um, like I've heard, I don't, I don't, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I've heard that, you know, just like you said, each, everybody has a different case. Everybody's body responds to things differently. And I've just hmm. heard that if you go on a vegan diet, you have to know what you're eating because there's certain foods that are supposed to, you know, receive different nutrients that your body needs. And if you don't know what you're doing and, and like, there's, there's a really bad way to eat, you know, vegetarian, like you would just eat chips all day and that's not good either. You're not, you're not helping the environment. You're not, you're not getting healthier. And, and in terms of grass fed beef, yeah, 100%. I don't, uh, like, I don't eat meat that's not grass fed just because the one that isn't is just very bad. You know, I think I've seen enough yeah. documentaries and yeah, it absolutely. doesn't. Uh, and I think that's super important, but we know once you actually, you know, start to use or like high quality meat, it, it not only tastes much better, but you feel much better. What about, um, what about in terms of fish? Do you, do you use wild caught or how does that wild caught? Absolutely. Um, wild caught fish is the best because you know what I found out? Do you know what they feed farmed salmon? I heard they dye them. No, they, well, that could be true, but they feed them chickpeas. And I thought, you know what? A fish should never have to eat chickpeas. Wow. Yeah, I've, so, heard, I've, heard, I've heard eating that kind of salmon is really bad for you, like just all the chemicals. And, and I think it's causing like an environmental problem too. Absolutely. And look, I used to be back in my, back in my training days when I didn't really have too much knowledge on all of this, this was, you know, we're dating back 10 years now. So much has changed in the last decade. But back then it was all about having uh, canned tuna with brown rice to stay lean. <laughs> and I, you know, I just used to smash that. And then I'm like, I've not touched a can of tuna in God knows how long. Yeah, I remember like seeing all these diets like low fat, eat egg whites, like mm. uh, fat is so bad for you. Um, you know, I remember um, seeing that not – yeah, go ahead. I'm a very big advocator of fat. Yeah, me too. I uh, I, I started – I kind of started this entire thing by drinking Bulletproof coffee, Ooh. and uh, and that kind of got me into it. And, like, whenever I, I drank that, that just – that was a completely different state of mind that I had never experienced before. Uh, and yeah, fat, fat is amazing. So in your, in your ketogenic diet, what is, what does that consist of? So it really, first of all, I wanted to do it correctly. So I went and had a DEXA scan, which is a body x-ray where you find out, you know, shockingly what your body fat percentage is, what your lean muscle, um, is, and it's really in depth. It tells you, you know, how many kilos of lean muscle you have on your right leg and your left leg. So it's really detailed. Now, 
from there, I extracted how many calories I want to be ingesting every day and how much I want to exercise. So from there, I said, you know, for example, just for argument's sake, um, which is not true, let's just say I want to have a thousand calories a day. So I stick to 75% of a thousand. Um, I stick to having 75% fats, 15% proteins, 5% carbs. And that was so difficult to do at the start because when you look at your carbs, when you look at, you know, there are carbs in kale. Like, mm-hmm. and that was shocking to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, my carbs have, and I, I tracked them. And one day I got up to about, uh, you know, 60 grams of carbs. I'm like, no way. What, what? I had a carrot and it was like 15 grams of carbs. I'm like, is this a joke? So, really had to modify that. Now, I have, I'm very big on avocado. I have avocado first thing in the morning with two eggs. And I'm very fortunate that we actually have 22 chickens who, you know, are having organic eggs, uh, who are, sorry, they're not having organic eggs. They're just everything that they eat is completely organic and they run around the backyard. And we, um, I'm very fortunate to be able to have like, we get 15 fresh eggs every single day. So, um, I have two of those with some avocado first thing in the morning and I have my coffee, my bulletproof coffee. So I have, I've introduced a lot of grass-fed butter, which I never had before meeting Dave Asprey. And um, I have a lot of that Is that in Dave Asprey? Yeah. We, um, I go to his conference once a year in mm. it was in Pasadena. And then I went to Bulletproof Labs and, yeah, it was, um, yeah, so, yes. Yes. And so just with studying what he said, studying my own body, that's, um, yeah, that's what I like. Something I can't compensate on, which I hate. I used to be a huge chocolate fan. And since switching to keto, I haven't had any chocolate other than dark chocolate. Um, 75%, but that's probably my only <laughs> bad thing I have. So... So you said you ate uh, eggs, avocados. Like, can you just maybe like run through a quick list of of like the things that you eat for your ketogenic diet? Just because I'm 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 interested. Yeah, of course. So yes, eggs, avocado. I have a lot of uh, coconut oil. I'll have that a lot. Um, I have MCT oil, medium chain mm. triglycerides, and that's really just to cure those cravings and um, help my brain work better. I have grass fed beef with a, like a grass-fed steak, uh, whatever type that may be. Um, and I always now I'm always putting a stick of butter on that as well, um, just a little piece of that. I have a lot of green salad. I don't eat cheese anymore. Now, mm. there's no law against that on the ketogenic diet. However, I I used to be big on cheese. I was like, you know, let's have let's always have 15 different types of cheeses in the fridge. And I thought, I don't want to be the, that person that has, oh, I can have, you know, 50 grams or five grams. I didn't want to, be, I just wanted to be cut it all out or have all of it. So I thought, I'm going to get rid of cheese. Um, so I don't have cheese. Um, I don't have milk. I've never had milk. It's um, If I do on the unlikely chance um, grab a coffee, it will be an almond, almond milk coffee. Um, I don't have any rice. I don't have any potatoes, not even sweet potatoes. I have a lot of salad. Um, yeah, no fruit. No fruit, unfortunately. I've, I've made actually before in the past, just to cure cravings, I've made a coconut 
um, and date like slice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just uh, I I just find that like super interesting. And what do you is the best way to really figure out what your body needs? Is it to get tests? Uh, yes, you can get tests. Blood tests are really great to understand what your what your body is going through and to understand what you're depleted in. And but also the best way to do it is just you know to try it out. Process of elimination, really mm. to try out what works for you and what doesn't work for you crown our action always so louisa so for the people that don't know you have this amazing podcast called neuro experience i highly recommend it you uh, you know you make an episode sometimes with guests and you really get into the science you get into you know the the mindset hacks and the the, mm-hmm. the tips and tricks that that you go into and it's really beneficial because it's it's not too long and at the same time, it's just it's jam packed with uh, you know mental performance value, mm-hmm. and you know you know a lot about mental performance, and this is a, such a, a broad subject as well. It, what what are the keys to mental performance? What are the keys to mental performance? That's a good nutrition question. is obviously one. Nutrition is one. So we um. So I guess if somebody said, can you sum up the three things that you get from your athletics? And that is we get you to think faster, perform better, and live longer. So I think if you can incorporate these three things, your level of mental performance is dramatically increased. Now, in saying that, what can we do to be able to gain um, a higher rate of mental performance, which means, and some people say, what is mental performance? Well, really, it's your ability to be mentally fit. Um, And you look at your body and every single day, you will go to the gym or you'll work out or if you don't, you'll feel bad that you didn't. But no one really knows too much about mental fitness. So what we try and get everyone to understand is the brain is a powerhouse it's this hunk of meat sitting inside your head that actually uh, is driving you to do everything if you can fix that then you can fix your body so what are the um, main pillars I I said I I guess you know with the question that you just asked well I would certainly look at um, your level of focus so your ability to focus is a really big thing because we need to be able to focus every single day and um right now we lose focus just at a drop of a hat and so many people especially athletes i have a lot of soccer players and they say to me i always ask them in a 90 minute game how well do you think you focus and they say oh probably you know like 80 minutes out of that 90 minutes and i'm like interesting Mm. so what i do is i put on an eeg we do like these brain scans if you will they um you just electrodes you put them on your head and they measure the um, brainwave activity and when I get them to when I measure their focus endurance their ability to focus um, for five minutes is next it's it's not good at all they can only really focus for around two seconds out of that five minutes so I would say working on your ability to focus um, retain attention um, they're some of the biggest pillars of um, mental performance yeah, definitely. For sure. Like I, I remember there would be days where I would, you know, walk back to my house or, you know, drive or something. And then I'd get out of the car and be like, wait, I just did that. 
Like I, I wouldn't even think about it. My mind would be in a completely different place. Delta brainwaves. That's what they're called. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I, and uh, I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit surprising that the the soccer players didn't have uh, an increased focus because you would think if they're in a high action sport like that, they would be focused. Well, no, you know, um, the best are. Actually, my athletes in New York who are professional boxers, they and, and you can tell because when you're when it's just you in that ring, it's just you. Whereas when you're when you're on a field with you know fifteen other people, you're thinking about so much. Then you've got the crowd, and it's so it's like, well, how different could your game be, or how different could your performance be if you increased your level of focus endurance? Because when it comes down to it, we produce the best results when we are 100% in the moment, in the present moment. Now, what we don't understand is how do we get into that present moment? And I know that mm -hmm. there are a lot of people promoting mindfulness, and I use that with um, adverted commas there in the air. Um, but what mindfulness really is, it's just mainstream media's way of saying getting into the present. But no one's really teaching us how. Well, how do we get into the present? What do we just sit there and just think about being in the present? Because that only really lasts five minutes, if if you will. I know yeah. it's like going to, going to a shopping center or driving your car. If you say, okay, focus on the present, there's something that's going to catch your eye. Mm -hmm. There's something that's going to catch your eye. Yeah. And even if not, like I'm sure some random thought from your subconscious will enter in and you'll just be in a completely different place. Mm. Um, and I, I like, you know, personally for me doing mindfulness meditation has greatly, greatly impacted how presently aware and, and how conscious I am. Like, like, like for the, you know, again, like I, I, I'm a human, but for most of the day, I want to say I'm in the present moment and that's just through, you know, a year and a half meditation, you know, morning, morning routines, you know, a, a, a healthy lifestyle. And I think that's, a, you know, living in the present is so key because, you know, only in the present where, you know, you can do stuff and people settle down into these routines and they, you know, end up not being happy just because, you know, they didn't, they weren't really aware of what was going on. And I think, like you said, coming at it from the approach of, you know, fixing the brain, fixing, fixing your inner life first is, mm -hmm. is the first thing and it's key to, to living a, a healthy life. Mm -hmm. I agree with that too. I think that um, you don't have the power to change your world until you truly know who you are. So before beginning any type of mental performance program, before beginning you know, a business or anything in life, you have to really understand who you are. 100%. And uh, I, you know, I talk at self-awareness a lot on this podcast and I've had, you know, so many guests in the last couple of days talk about this and everyone has their own, you know, spin on how somebody can gain self-awareness. What is, what, what would you recommend for people if they want to become self-aware? So interesting. Gary V talks about this a lot. And Mm -hmm. I think if you want to understand who you are, it's just to spend more time with yourself. There's no book that says, okay, do this, then do that. There's no step-by-step -step guide. It's putting yourself through as many experiences as you can. 
uh, watching how you react to those experiences, both from an emotional and a mental um, and a physical perspective, and then finding out really what you're most content with, like when you're at your most happiest, and then accepting that. And that's the thing. People find it hard to accept that that's what they really are. And until they do, that's um, they're not going to be very you know, internally 100% fulfilled. Wow. I, I think that's probably the best simple, or not, not simple, but nice, short, concise, in a bite-sized way to, to understand that. Wow, that's, that's really good um because most 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 times guests will give me like a 10 10 minute answer and they'll just go down a bunch of stories but you actually answer the question so thank you so much uh louisa i uh a a big subject of this podcast is kind of talking about the future and kind you know because there's there are things happening in the world right now there are different forces at play there are different environmental factors where you know the world is changing extremely fast and, you know, all, all the things that we talked about, all these things are changing, you know, whether it's from the nutrition standpoint or, you know, the mindfulness meditation trend standpoint, what are, what are just some general things that, you know, you, you not, not necessarily you want to see them in the future, but what do you think is coming or, or what should people expect really? I think people will expect to see more. Let's look at, let's, let's cut it up. Let's look at from an organized organizational perspective now bain states that by 2030 the biggest um predictor of success for any company is their talent it, talent and you know by talent i'm, I'm meaning the employees uh, far outweigh technology far outweigh strategies far outweigh anything that um that your organization believes that they need so first things first i think that if you can get um, from an organizational perspective, I think that if you can get your talent um, to increase their level of mental performance from a holistic perspective, um, that's that's going to be it's going to be much more beneficial. So I think for the future of uh, corporate organizations, I think that everybody's going to be having a corporate wellness program. Actually, I think everyone's going to have a coach, you know, an internal coach, and I don't see that often now. I only really see it with forward-thinking companies, but they have an internal coach that actually drives, pushes, um, and takes care of the mental well-being of the employees. Uh, where do I see it going in the future for elite athleticism? I see changes already being made um, in the U.S. market when it comes to sport, um, implementing new strategies around um, the brain introducing new strategies around how can we, instead of working just solely on the body um, and fitness, how can we work on their brains and their minds and spending more, you know, predominantly most of their training time on that. That's what I see. Um, and then in terms of life and everyday people, I see us going into more of a holistic way of living. We're already being, you know, introduced to messages saying that the pharmaceutical industries are killing us so i think people see that and they think well what's a substitute for um for neurofen okay or what's a substitute for if i have a headache instead of me taking a pharmaceutical drug like aspirin what can i take um you know 
what type of herb or vitamin can I take? So I think that's where I see the world going in terms of performance, mental performance and nutrition. Mm, that's a pretty solid answer. I think, you know, like maybe the last 100 years will be considered maybe the the century where humanity, you know, had a lot of technological innovation and development and they were working on a lot of food stuff, but the science, you know, they got mixed up, but, you know, in 2020 and the years to come, they're, they're figuring that out. And I think a really interesting thing to talk about in the future is just the brain and in terms of science and biotechnology and, you know, how, how, how little we know about the brain now compared to what we will know in the future and, and, and the mysteries surrounding the, the brain and, and how we even think and, and, and communicate with each other. 100%. Louisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Is there any final thoughts uh, where people can you know go connect with you, talk to you? 100%. Uh, first of all, make sure you're listening to the Neuro Experience podcast. It's on iTunes. Uh, we release two episodes a week, probably to three in the near future. Uh, second to that, you can follow me on Instagram, which is The Diamond Boss. Um, and then we have a, a great website, which is neuroathletics.com.au. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Louisa Nicola. I greatly appreciate your time. If you could go through, please, and rate this podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me. Have a fantastic day.